care for mayors on disability concern. Today is provided 15 2022. Welcome, everybody. Take this video. Okay, um, so this meeting is broadcast to the public on SFGov TV. It is open captioned and sign language interpreted. The Mayor's Disability Council holds nine public meetings yearly. They are generally held on the third Friday of the month. Please call the mayor's office on disability for further information or to request accommodations at 415-554-6789 or by email at mod at sfgov.org. Our next regular meeting will be on Friday, May 20th, 2022 from 1, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. So I just want to address a stability during the pub for during this meeting. We understand that everybody has its own ideas and we welcome all of the ideas and an issue, but we are not tolerate any negativity or attacks to um, guest speakers and to its members. So if you have any concerns or question, what I just said, this contract um, um, DC and we will um, answer any question again. We are, we are, we are welcome any ideas and any disagreement, but we are not tolerated any attacks and any negativity during this meeting today. Um, take this with um, the roll call. Okay, for roll call, um, MDC council members, I will call your names. Alex Madrid. Hey. Orchid Sasuni. Denise Senhow. Present. Tiffany Yu. Helen Smolinski. Here. Deshaun Lewis Woods. Present. Ananya Tandon Verma. And that is all for roll call. Thank you. Governor item number two, which is being in approval of Angela. Take can you please with Angela. Okay. 
So for the agenda, we have item number one, which is roll call and welcome. Item number two is reading and approval of the agenda. Item three is public comment. Item four is a report from the mayor's office on disability. Item five is the co-chair report. Item six is a panel presentation on current programs to support accessibility of small businesses, what has been done to publicize them and how many businesses have made use of them. And item seven is a, mo uh, a moderated forum, which will be a discussion between MDC members and presenters from item one, along with representatives from other relevant entities. Item eight is general public comment. Item nine is a discussion item for council member comments and announcements. And item 10 is adjournment. Are there any council member questions or comments about the agenda? Um, Mr. Co-Chair, um, this is Deborah Kaplan um, from the MOD staff. Um, we just received um, a note that both um, Katie Tang and Kate Sophis have a hard stop at 3.30. And so wonder if you could entertain moving item four, which is the Mayor's Office on Disability report to um, after the discussion. Yes. Are there any of um um of um put um concerned on that from the concept of that we would move item number four up. Let's say yes to approve transgender. I'm talking to you, custom members. If, if, they, if I'm hearing none, I will move us along to public comment. I'll take this up with the bridging to the general public comment. Okay, so um, for public comment, we welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There'll be an opportunity for public comment at the beginning and at the end of the meeting, as well as after specific items on MDC agendas. Each comment is limited to three minutes. Although comments may be limited to two minutes when there's a long queue of people waiting to make comments. At the end of the comment period, we will move on to the next commenter. If you want the council to respond to your comments following the meeting, please provide your contact information by email message to mdc at sfgov.org. 
You may also provide additional comments by email to this address or by calling 415-554-6789. Members of the public can join the meeting as a Zoom webinar participant and will be able to make public comment directly during the public comment periods. Members of the public can join the webinar by using the link or join using a telephone by dialing 669-900-6833 and the webinar ID, which is 854-1955-0368. If you join the webinar um, using a computer or tablet or smartphone Zoom app, you can click on the three horizontal dots icon um, and click on raise hand, or just click on the raise hand feature to indicate that you want to make public comment and you'll be recognized when it's your turn. You can also use the Q&A feature in Zoom webinar to be recognized or to make a comment. If you wish to be recognized, you can type into the Q&A box that you wanna make a comment and hit send. You can also type your comment into the Q&A box and the clerk will read it for you. If you join by phone, dial star nine when you want to be recognized and you'll be prompted when it's your turn to make comments. We welcome suggestions about how to make the MDC meetings more accessible. Please send an email to mdc at sfgov.org. If you need assistance accessing the meeting, please call 415-919-9562 or send an email to mdc at sfgov.org. So at this time, members of the public may address the council on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council that are not on this meeting agenda. With respect to agenda items, your opportunity to address the council will be afforded when the item is reached in the meeting. Each member of the public may address the council for up to three minutes. The Brown Act forbids the council from taking action or discussing any items not appearing on the posted agenda, including those items raised at public comment. And I do see that we have multiple members of the public who have indicated that they want to make public comment. Okay. Just want to remind you um, that please be civilized and we will um, drop you if you go. If you're starting to attack people during the meeting. Okay, so our first commenter, caller ending in 1003, you've been permitted to unmute. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is William Railing. I'm making this comment on behalf of Accessible San Francisco. Accessible San Francisco is an unincorporated nonprofit association. Uh, I just would like to uh, 
discuss something that was in the news this week. Um, so many of you may also have seen it that the um, district attorney uh, of San Francisco, along with the district attorney of Los Angeles, has filed a lawsuit against a law firm that is the law firm that has been filing the uh, vast majority of federal ADA lawsuits in, in federal court locally. Um, and um, I, uh, Accessible San Francisco was, was, was really founded as a reaction to the excessive lawsuits that uh, are filed under the ADA. They should not be necessary. It's a very important right, and we wouldn't support at all the, the right uh, to go to court to enforce a civil rights violation uh, against you. Uh, we would never would we support that to be limited or, or taken away. Um, that is something many people in the business community have advocated for. Um, uh, at the same time, uh, lawsuits are an incredibly inefficient solution. Uh, to solving accessibility problems or any other problems for that matter. Um, I'm not a lawyer. I've worked for many years as a paralegal and I have a lot of you know, firsthand knowledge um, on how both sides typically lose in litigation. It's just a question of which side loses more. So um, I appreciate that the later discussion today is gonna um, touch on this problem, probably, um, but I did want to discuss this lawsuit. Um, I did review the lawsuit, um, and um, as you know, the way this, or you may know, the way this law firm operates is that one of their, um, what they call high-frequency plaintiffs, will visit a number of businesses um, on a single, in a single day, and, and, and then file suit against the ones that are not in compliant with the ADA. Um, now, the, every lawsuit has to make a factual allegation and then show how that factual allegation is, uh, creates liability. Here, the allegation is that the plaintiff never actually visited the business. So of course it would be wrong if, if someone didn't go to a business but then claimed they went to the business and then sued because they weren't able to utilize the business. That's just wrong. And if, and if that turns out to be true, then I think um, the law firm should um, be liable, uh, if not subject to discipline from the state bar. But I, I will leave it to the courts to figure out whether that factual allegation is, is true or not. I just want to finish by no, noticing that, that this lawsuit from the DA isn't, doesn't really, isn't going to solve this problem. The problem is the lack of ADA compliance. So I'm glad we're going to have this discussion today to try to figure out how to bring more of these businesses into compliance so they don't get sued. Um, because even if this law firm got shut down, the ADA violations are still there and anyone else can come along and sue the next day for encountering the same violations. So attacking the law firm in the end won't be a solution. And, I, and I'm really looking forward to having this discussion today in which we try to find solutions to the accessibility violations, which are just all over the city. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for the comment. Do we have another public comment at this time? Yes. Anon, you've been permitted to unmute. Hi, I'm a human rights and disability activist based in San Francisco, and I publish videos on YouTube under the heading Activism and Disability San Francisco. Uh, I'm a bit troubled to hear of 
the hosts of this meeting uh, attempting to censor uh, what they call negativity, um, that's a bit troubling. I understand that personal attacks against people is inappropriate, um, but uh, negativity is sometimes necessary as disabled people in particular face a gross amount of oppression and discrimination, uh, partly from this department and uh, from people within this department. And so it's important to record that and to speak up about that. Um, I could not access uh, this meeting for some time because the agenda published on the MDC website is a blank document. Like you click on it and it opens a blank document. The Mayor's Office on Disability website calendar still refuses to uh, publish these meetings to let people know that they are happening. And routinely you only hear from the previous commenter and me as the only public comments ever made in these meetings even though there are thousands of disabled people in this city. The outreach being done to them, of course, being non-existent. Uh, additionally, this department has a very poor track record in being in compliance with actually filing ADA complaints. Uh, I had to file a complaint within this department and I'm actually impressed. They actually, for the first time in a very long time, responded to me that the complaint would be filed. I only got that response minutes before this meeting. Um, however, I was also told that my complaint was closed before even discussing with me if the access issues had been resolved, in which case they had not. Uh, this particular instance, the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force, uh, upon receiving an ADA request, uh, immediately gave me notice that they were canceling uh, six of my cases from lack of, due to lack of communication, which of course was a complete uh, misrepresentation. I had been emailing them uh, that week multiple times and, and one of those emails was a detailed ADA request. Uh, these types of things are happening, as the previous commenter mentioned, accessibility issues are all over this city, but they're not just businesses, they're within government. And it is your job, the people of this task force, to solve that problem and to make sure places are in compliance. It is not our job as the public to volunteer with our disabilities to bring these departments into compliance, including yourselves, uh, which are not publishing these meetings effectively and, and accessibly. Um, additionally, I've mentioned this before, but the Mayor's Office on Disability uh, violated the law by taking over a year to provide me my own records of disability complaints that I had made, many of which they didn't even bother to file. And I've still not received an apology from the Mayor's Office on Disability, even after a unanimous verdict from the Sunshine Task Force uh, 10 to zero showed that they did in fact break the law. I'm still waiting for that apology. I would appreciate that apology as it is not my job to bring this department into compliance. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Are there any other public comments at this time? Um, I see no other public commenters at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Now we are moving to item number five, which is culture reports. Uh, since the last MDC meeting on March 18th, we have been involved in following up on the JFK job resolution. We had a meeting with the director of Rec and Park Department, Phil Gisbert, um, to review the condition that MDC has stated must be in place before that MDC can support 
making the closure of JFK job permanently. Um, the MDC has asked for a time frame for those items that Reagan Park has committed to and have been related our concern that there are still some conditions that are not being addressed. Also, we also attended a meeting with Supervisor Chen, Chen to learn about her ideas for increasing access to Goldgate Park and many needs and to explain the conditions in the MDC resolution. But moving up on that, Orchid Sassoni, one of the culture, attended and been heard by Supervisor Chen with a very different um, stakeholders focusing on with her proposal. That is my culture report and I'm going to move us along to item number four, which is presentation to presentation by Kelly Tan, uh, San Francisco Office of Economic and Workforce Development. And then after that, after that, after public comment, we will have Robin Abad, senior planner of um, Shares Versus Program. Do we have anything? Yes, hi, how's everyone? Okay, again. Nice to see you. I'm sorry, I don't have a webcam, so I, I'm going to look like I'm looking somewhere else. Um, oh, is someone else sharing the screen for me? I believe so. Okay, all right then. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Hi, Katie. Just let me know when you want me to move to the this next slide. slide. Okay, great. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to... Ooh. Okay, I think the maybe the wrong Katie Tang is spotlighted. <laughs> anyway, uh, great to see everyone here today. I'm also joined by uh, Kate Sophis, the Executive Director of the Office of um, Office of Economic and Workforce Development, of which the Office of Small Business is a part of. And so, I wanted to first uh, give her an opportunity to address the Mayor's Disability Council, and then I will jump into the presentation. Great, thank you, good afternoon, and uh, very much appreciative of this opportunity today to talk about small business and accessibility. 
The Office of Small Business is part of the larger Office of Economic and Workforce Development, and this department's entire mission is to help San Franciscans achieve economic sustainability, whether through a job, small business ownership, entrepreneurship, and our small businesses really constitute the majority of businesses in San Francisco and employ some of the most diverse uh, workforce um, in the city. So it's very important to us. I also want to say on a personal level, um, when I took this position um, as department head a little close to a year ago, I came from community myself and um, it was personal and is personal for me that we look at our community members who identify as having a disability, one or more disabilities as uh, at the top of my list of how we think about diversity when we think about building back a diverse, equitable city. As we look at the impacts that the pandemic has had on uh, our communities of color, on our youth, on our disability community, we know that this crisis has both struck those communities much more deeply in terms of health outcomes and economics than other parts of, of the business community and other parts of our residential population. But we also know that in the, in the crisis is born opportunity and an opportunity to really think much more intentionally about what inclusion means um, as it relates to our uh, disability community. I also want to start by, start by saying my own family, it's very personal. My uh, younger daughter, my 14-year-old, um, was born with multiple disabilities. She identifies as deaf and hard of hearing um, and is also on the autism spectrum. And she is amazing and she is my best teacher. And so for her, I am very committed in this work that we do across the whole department. And I know um, I'm echoed by my colleague, Katie Tang, um, that, uh, that we will put our disability community front and center in our economic recovery, in how we talk about San Francisco. And it is really my privilege to be of service to you and to be a very deep, thoughtful listener today. And so with that, I will turn this back to um, Executive Director Tang, who will talk about uh, our efforts right now uh, to try to make progress uh, with the small business community around ADA access. Thank you for that and welcome. Thank you, Director Sophus. Uh, I couldn't have laid that framework out any better. And so with that, I will go into the presentation to share what we are currently working on. Uh, and again, it's nice to see everyone. I worked with many of you previously in another capacity to address accessibility um, issues uh, in our community. So with that next slide, please. So uh, as part of my discussion here today, I uh, wanted to run through a couple of things that our Office of Small Business and the Office of Economic and Workforce Development are working on. One is the Accessibility Inspection Grant Program that we have available for small businesses. Second is how that dovetails with the Accessible Business Entrance uh, Program. And third, our city's uh, SF Shines Design Services Program, which is run out of uh, Director Sofis's shop in OEWD. And 
our new website uh, for our Office of Small Business and the Small Business Commission. And then lastly, I would like to discuss with all of you upcoming initiatives that we hope to partner with you on. Next slide. So in terms of the accessibility inspection grant program that we are currently administrating through our office, small businesses can get reimbursed for accessibility inspections up to $1,000 for the front entrance and up to $3,000 if they have an inspection of their entire store. We have applications open right now through June 30th. And for ground, these are eligible, um, uh, the, the reimbursement is available to small businesses that are ground floor places of public accommodation. I have here a website uh, where people can find more information, which is sf.gov backslash ABE grant. So this is a program that we have timed so that it dovetails with the city's accessible business entrance program. We know that one of the first steps to understanding what small businesses need to do um, or property owners need to do to address accessibility is to have uh, done an inspection and to understand what um, improvements are needed. So next slide, please. After this accessibility inspection grant program ends, our office hopes to launch another grant program in the summer for accessibility improvements. And this grant would cover upgrades such as furniture, fixtures, and equipment needed uh, to achieve better accessibility. We often hear from small businesses that it is so difficult to even survive in the city and that they don't have enough funding for any upgrades. And so this grant program is designed to at least help people with some of those initial um, improvements that they need to make for better accessibility. Next slide. So for the accessible business entrance support, sorry, I don't know what's happening to my screens here. Uh-oh, okay. For the accessible business entrance program, which is uh, enforced by uh, the Department of Building Inspection, um, our office uh, provides assistance to small businesses and property owners with ground floor small businesses and advise them on pursuing accessibility improvements or pursuing an inspection at minimum at the very beginning. We also help connect small businesses and property owners to resources such as CASP inspectors, legal support, or grant programs for accessibility improvements. And we've also uh, begun Merchant Walks to share resources in person with small businesses. And just this week, uh, my team and I were out on Mission Street and walk the corridor between 16th Street and 26th Street, both sides, to pass out flyers, explain uh, to small businesses what our accessible business entrance program uh, requires, and to encourage them that to make accessibility improvements, it's not just about avoiding lawsuits, it's also about welcoming as many people to their businesses as possible. And our office will continue to do outreach in the corridors that uh, have not um, yet submitted the checklist that they need to for uh, under the accessible business entrance program and generally communicating with small businesses about, again, why it's good for them and the customers to, to make these upgrades and that it's not just out of fear that they do this. Next slide. 
In terms of the SF Shines design services, so OEWD's Invest in Neighborhoods division is currently offering design services to small businesses to help with storefront improvements. And through this, uh, small businesses can access architectural services, which can include design services for accessibility projects. The applications are currently open until all funds are exhausted. And this is a great way for uh, small businesses to uh, work with an architect so that they can have designs ready to submit for a permit if it's needed to make these accessibility upgrades. And this is a wonderful program that uh, OEWD hopes to continue year round um, so long as we have uh, enough funding. Next slide. So in summary, as you can see here, we have tried to overlap as much of our programs as possible so that there are always resources available to the small business community for accessibility. So just in summary, we have the Accessibility Inspection Grant Program running now through June 30th. Right after that, we'll launch an Accessibility Improvements Grant Program, and it's roughly between the summer, somewhere around end of June or early July through the end of the year. And we also have the SF Shines Design Services running right now until funds are exhausted. Next slide. I also wanted to share with all of you that we had this year in February transitioned our website to the sf.gov platform, which incorporates web accessibility and inclusion standards. Our website address is sf.gov slash OSB. And uh, we are very happy that um, this website transition allows for our information to be shared and accessed uh, via screen readers and that the digital services team has researched uh, best practices for accessibility. So uh, this, this is available to you now um, and we continue to update information. And you'll see here that our homepage also has information about our accessibility inspection grant program. Next slide. And so lastly, just wanted to share really two main initiatives that we hope to partner with you on as we're moving forward in this work. One is web accessibility and inclusion support for small businesses. We wanna make sure that our small businesses understand that it's not just about the physical accessibility accommodations, but they also need to think about their online presence, especially as more and more businesses are moving into that space. And so interconnected to that also is just how do we address non-physical accessibility accommodations in general for people with a wide range of disabilities and, um, and just going beyond what we're currently thinking of um, in terms of accessibility improvements. So with that, I conclude the presentation and I know we'll have uh, further discussion after this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, thing. And now I'm going to open up to, to questions from class members. Hey, it's Alex. I'm yes. wondering if we're holding questions until after the second presentation today. Okay. Sorry, Helen. Um, now I'm moving along to Robin about hi, Robin. Robin, what is the um this senior planning 
chess presses. Welcome, um, Robin, again. Thank you, Chair Madrid. Um, counselors, it, um, it's um, great to be here before you again today, providing an update on the Shared Spaces Program. I'm Robin Abad Akabillo, the city's director of the Shared Spaces Program. And I'm also joined by other members of our team, the fire marshal for the city and county of San Francisco, Ken Coughlin, Parklet's permit, Parklet Permits Manager Gregory Slocum from the Department of Public Works, Mari Hunter from the SFMTA, the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, and Ben Van Houten from the Office of Economic and Workforce Development. I do um, have some slides that we prepared that I will also be narrating and talking through. The Board of Supervisors last month in March 2022, I can't believe we're in 2022, sometimes I think we're in 2023, anyways I got the year right, recently passed legislation um, that does impact shared spaces operators and actually has um, an explicit um, implication for um, uh, um, uh, our ADA community, persons with disabilities, um, and the ways that we will be pursuing enforcement and compliance on our sidewalks and in our parklets um, in order to ensure ADA uh, accessibility or accessibility for persons with disabilities. I'll talk a little bit about that in detail. Um, what we'll focus on today, though, following up on the presentation from Director Tang and Director Sophis, are um, some of the grant opportunities that we're making available to shared spaces operators in order to um, fund capital improvements to shared spaces to make them accessible to persons with disabilities. And there's also been some question about when some of these rules go into effect, not all of the rules go into effect immediately. Um, some are staggered. And so I'll explain a little bit about that. Uh, shared spaces encompasses a number of different places in the public realm, in our streets and sidewalks. This includes the sidewalk itself. Um, it also in includes the parking lane um, or the curbside lane, as we call it. Oftentimes, it can involve uh, closing segments of streets to vehicular traffic to allow that part of the road to be temporarily um, used for recreation, for play, for gathering, for outdoor dining, and other community activities. Shared spaces also take place on parcels, um, on lots, for example, um, surface parking lots or vacant pre-development sites. Uh, Director Tang just explained some of the grants that uh, the OE, the Office of Economic and Workforce Development have made available. Um, those are the SF Shines Design Services and Construction Grants, as well as the Accessible Business Entrance Grants. There is yet another uh, grant uh, opportunity um, that is uh, directed at and um, specifically geared towards helping small businesses achieve accessibility at their outdoor shared spaces sites. These are uh, what are called shared space compliance grants. 
the application cycle for these uh, actually opened in September 2021 and is closing at the end of this month, April 30th, 2022. The, uh, the applications for shared spaces compliance grants are due. Um, these will help to fund uh, capital improvements, changes to um, shared spaces, dining facilities on the sidewalk, as well as those in the curbside lane or parklets, things like tables and chairs, enclosures and planters and diverters um, around dining areas, um, barricades and, and the like. The application is available to shared spaces operators digitally at sf.gov slash shared dash spaces dash equity and is also available in multiple languages including Spanish, Tagalog, Chinese. To date, uh, between the Shared Spaces Grants Program and the SF Shines uh, Grants Program, the city's awarded over a million dollars towards, uh, towards shared spaces, many of them parklets. And we expect to disperse uh, about a million more um, through upcoming cycles. We also want to be very transparent with everyone who is applying or interested in implying, applying for a shared spaces compliance grant, um, what the city's selection criteria are for making awards. We recognize that there is a lot of need out there um, and our resources are um, limited in the sense that we can't give everyone who has need um, funding to, uh, you know, uh, reimburse them for all of the costs that they will have. But this will be um, uh, part of what can offset costs along perhaps um, alongside the other grant opportunities that Director Tang talked about earlier. So in deciding where to direct compliance grants to make awards, we look at certain geographies throughout the city. And I'm going to talk through some of those criteria. We look at geographies that have been hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic, um, you know, neighborhoods and areas that have been, that have had the highest case rates and the highest rates of fatality. We're also looking at neighborhoods that um, DPA, the Department of Public Health has indexed as areas of vulnerability. These are neighborhoods with higher density uh, populations of, of vulnerable um, folks. So, those are seniors, youth, persons with disabilities, linguistically isolated households, and so forth. We're also looking at established cultural districts or cultural districts that are in the process of formation, as well as legacy businesses. The grants also prioritize applicants who um, earn below, at or below $2.5 million in their uh, in gross receipts in their last reportable year. Finally, we also, um, in recognizing that, um, you know, we want to spread resources around as much as possible, um, we, prior, uh, we would prioritize applicants who aren't already receiving other kinds of aid from the city. So on the screen, there's a map showing uh, geographies that are hardest hit by COVID, as well as the Department of Public Health's areas of vulnerability to give a sense of um, where geographically in the city uh, awards would be sort of concentrated. The program is committed to uh, providing grants 
in all neighborhoods, in all zip codes, in all supervisors' districts, but we are going to be concentrating and focusing in geographies that have historically been more disadvantaged. There have also been a lot of great questions about the public education and uh, communication that the program is undertaking, is pursuing in order to inform uh, shared spaces operators and parklet operators when their sites, for example, are not, uh, do not meet current uh, guidelines for ADA or uh, safety for emergency access. What's shown on screen is what, uh, an example of what we're calling a single bill of health. It's basically a, a single sheet that lists all of the issues, compliance issues, be they safety issues or ADA issues that a parklet sponsor might have at their particular site. This cover sheet also explains where more detailed information can be accessed, the design guidelines, the dimensioning, diagrams, photographs of um, ideal conditions um, in our shared spaces manual. And it also gives a clear deadline for when each of those issues needs to be addressed by. There are many potential types of issues at, for example, parklets. Not all of those have to be addressed immediately. Um, I can assure the council, however, that anything having to do with um, uh, access for persons with disabilities is um, classified as an urgent um, sort of immediate issue to fix. When the Board of Supervisors legislated this past March, they actually um, emphasized this um, quite pointedly. Um, there are many types of compliance issues or violations that the city will not be charging penalties or punitive fees for. Um, however, ADA is one of the types of compliance issues that um, departments may charge punitive fines and fees for in order to gain compliance. Um, I should uh, perhaps note that um, now is a key moment before the pandemic program sunsets in March 2023 for all shared spaces, sponsors, for our, all parklet operators to be familiarizing themselves with all of the rules and regulations and make sure that, um, you know, your, uh, the operator should be making sure that they're addressing those issues before the pandemic especially before the pandemic program sunsets in March, 2023, um, when all of the requirements inclusive of ADA, um, emergency access and, and fire safety rules will be in full effect. Um, I'll just talk a little bit about curb management. We've also received some questions about, um, you know, um, access to curbside parking um, for paratransit services, for example, to be able to operate. Um, and uh, there has been some concern also expressed um, as to the, um, the um, proliferation of parklets around the city, um, which during the pandemic um, has resulted in some cases um, with parklets popping up in, in loading zones, for example, white loading zones, and sometimes in yellow zones. All of these have an impact on, of course, how um, our commercial corridors are functioning um, in terms of um, mobility by private vehicle. Um, so um, the high level message is that um, over the course of you know, this next year, as the pandemic program sunsets and we transition into a, a codified version of the program, 
um, our uh, municipal transportation agency, as well as the Department of Public Works planning, the mayor's office on disability is working to rebalance the um, allocation and use of curbs in our commercial corridors to optimize them for current conditions. So oftentimes that means restoring yellow zones, um, maybe restoring white zones where they've been occupied or sometimes consolidating them so that they are located in um, an optimal uh, position on the block. Um, all shared spaces that popped up in transit boarding areas during the pandemic where transit lines were suspended um, will also be um, um, removed uh, as transit uh, resumes, those uh, transit boarding areas will be restored. And indeed, uh, uh, MTA has been working with sponsors since the fall to do that for lines that have already, transit lines that have already come back online. So all of that curb management work and rebalancing on curb um, you know, pertains to yellow, white, and, and blue zones, of course. So I'm going to stop here. Um, we did prepare more material that gets into kind of the specifics of the different uh, regulations associated with accessibility at parklets. So we can refer back th to those during the discussion if that supports some of the points of the discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. And um, I just want to ask, but if, if, if I forgot to mention your name, please say your name and where you from. Okay, um, now we are going to move to questions. Helen, do you have questions? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Alex. Um, and, and thank you all for the, the very thoughtful and detailed presentation. Please know it's appreciated. I also want to thank Director Sophus for uh, her thoughtful introduction. I am also a mother of a young daughter with um, multiple and severe disabilities, including uh, a wheelchair. She's wheelchair dependent. Um, I guess there are a couple things. I'm, I'm impressed and appreciative of all the, the city incentives and programs um, offered to small business owners and, and I'm assuming uh, building owners. Um, it's, it's very impressive. Um, and I'm curious, the city's given out over a million dollars in one of the programs that Robin mentioned. Um, my first question, and I, it's one of two, um, and I'm not sure who could answer it, but how many small businesses in the city own their storefront or their property? Does anybody know that? Because I feel like there's a distinction between small business owner and, and building owner, property owner. And that's a, that's a big distinction. And, and while we all have um, sympathy or empathy for struggling small businesses, um, I think there's less patience and understanding for a property owner who's, who's resistant or um, uh, 
maybe antagonistic even to making their property more accessible? So uh, does anybody have the numbers or who, who are we looking at really? Hi, Helen, I can jump in here. We Thank don't you. have the numbers. Uh, it changes um, constantly and it's also very difficult to track that. I will say anecdotally that as I'm doing merchant walks and I look to see whether a business is also the same as the property owner, in most cases, it they're separate and the business is a tenant of, um, they don't own their own property. So um, again, anecdotally speaking, based on my outreach, um, that's what I can share with you. I will say that when we go and talk to the small business owners, we, we tell them that, you know, even though uh, you might think that the property owner should make these improvements, really it's to your benefit that you make the improvements because you are the place of public accommodation. Right. And again, for you to be able to welcome all customers, all types of customers. Um, and again, under federal state laws, um, they're the ones who are also um, responsible and could be on the hook for, you know, any complaints or lawsuits um, because they are running a place of public accommodation. Uh, that's something that we remind them of. So, yes, we totally understand that there may be some um, challenges in terms of trying to talk to the property owners, getting in touch with them, convincing them that they should make this investment. Uh, but we also take that opportunity then to remind the business that um, it is also their responsibility as well. But we as a city are here to try to help support them in this effort. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for that. Because I, I, I wonder beyond anecdotally, if, if your offices could, could collect that information um, uh, because I, 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 I wonder if, if all this work would be more effective if we're targeting building owners. Um, um, if I may, um, sure. the accessible business entrance program right now that is, um, uh, being enforced through the department of building inspection that is the outreach is going to the property owners specifically. And so they have tried their very, very best to identify all the properties that have a ground floor place of public accommodation and all the notices, all the enforcement is actually on the property owners. So this is a program that um, really is trying to get to that aspect. I think that you're trying to address here. Okay, that, that, that's good to hear. That, that's very good to hear. Because, uh, you know, one of your programs is that you can solicit an inspection by the city. And, and just the language, I'd be surprised, um, you know, how many businesses want to solicit any kind of inspection, you know, without any incentive or knowing more about it, just from that, like, fear fact, fact uh, you know, factor of just the word inspection from the city, you know, probably puts puts a lot of people off and no matter what the good intention is behind it. Um, thank you, thank you for again, all this information. I'm glad to hear that fines and fees can still be levied for ADA violations. I think that's an important point. Um, and my, my last point is just a reminder, you know, things like curb cutouts on the sidewalks, these are a benefit from, for, for more people than just kids and adults in wheelchairs, like my daughter, right? They benefit people with 
pushing strollers, pushing shopping carts, um, people using crutches, um, moving moving furniture um, from an apartment or a home. Like if if we can somehow also frame frame these accessible building improvements as being more for the benefit of the entire city community and for all of us and 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 framing it less as this as this fight between the disability community who you know who is who may arguably always be saying hey like you know advocating for itself and a, a, a struggling small business community just coming out of COVID, maybe maybe if we can uh, frame it with a broader appeal to um, these improvements and accessibility being in the best interest of all of us, we we might also find more cooperation and and success in in making these changes. So my two cents. But again, thank you all for your good work. Um, I I appreciate it, and please know personally, my family appreciates these uh, improvements. Um, thank you, Helen. Are there any council members ask questions at this time? Did they? Go ahead. Thank you, Alex. Um, good afternoon, uh, presenters. I want to thank you for your presentation. I'll make it short and sweet because Helen kind of emphasized some of the issues um, going on. But what I think is important with regards to the outreach that the disability community along um, with uh, small business uh, work together in partnership, however we, decide, however we decide to do this. So it is, as Helen mentioned, so it's not adversarial. I mean, the complaints that come in, we want to identify those complaints make the entrances to small businesses accessible when needed. But I want to keep a positive environment. So when a small business sees someone with a disability that wants to shop in their neighborhood, that, oh God, someone is not coming here to complain or to sue me. So I think if the outreach can be incorporated, disability community can work with small business. So they understand that you want to work together. It's not adversarial um, environment. I think that would be most beneficial to continue, um, you know, doing that. And I appreciate the outreach you do with regards to the accessibility grants. I understand online there's a checklist. Um, it also addresses all the benefits to. Small so um, anything that we can do to be kept in the into loop in the loop to further our partnership to kind of address these things as they come up would be much of you for your time. Thank you, Dede. Are there members ask questions? Hearing none, I'm going forward to to the staff 
I'll be to stop from ask questions at this time. Hi, everybody. This is Nicole speaking. I'm the director of the Mayor's Office on Disability. I want to thank all of our presenters and panelists for being here for these questions and for the discussion that will follow uh, this. I, I'm wondering in advance of that if if uh, each of you might speak a little bit to um, the kinds of outreach that you've done, who are you reaching uh, so far, and what has the reception been like? And uh, maybe talk a little bit about where the biggest, you know, spaces for improvement in terms of um, the kind of making our uh, community aware of all of the uh, grant and uh, work that they would be eligible to uh, take advantage of. Whomever wants to go first. Sure, happy to. Uh, so Katie from Office of Small Business again, and um, I, I would say that tag, tagging along with the accessible, accessible business entrance program and doing the outreach in conjunction with that has been a really great opportunity to provide additional education around this issue and that it's not just a city requirement, but reminding businesses that, you know, this is, this is good for your business. This is something that you should be doing for the greater good of, again, the greater community. Um, I will say that in my interactions with small businesses, um, unfortunately, the tone has been that um, there's a lot of fear out there because of the lawsuits, because of everything that's in the news. So we've been trying to reassure them that, you know, really, it's this, this shouldn't come from a place of fear, but these are things that you should do or else um, people can't access your businesses. And so we're trying, what I found is that a lot of the businesses, they are not familiar with the federal, state, and local laws. And they think that if a city inspector did not tell them that they needed to do X, Y, or Z, that they are actually in compliance. And so a lot of it is actually just informing them about ADA regulations. This is a place where we certainly could use your help as well. Um, another place where we could use your help is that a lot of businesses just don't understand um, what you know, what it means to be, say, um, accessible through their online platform. Um, I can't even say that I'm an expert myself, right? And so it'd be really helpful for all of you to shed light on what it is that is needed uh, from people with a wide range of, of disabilities and how to uh, provide these accommodations. Um, say, if, if a business decides that they also want to sell goods or services through a website, um, or other ideas for how to make their space more accessible that may not involve significant capital improvements because that is where they struggle financially and why the city has these grant programs in the first place is that they, they some of them, they're just struggling to survive, right? And so if we can be empathetic in that way and understand, but how can then we, can we partner with them to say, well, here's actually a pretty cost-effective solution that allows you to also serve people with disabilities, but may not involve you um, needing to, you know, tear down your building and, and redo everything. So, so those are some areas where I could see um, some help and where some of those biggest challenges have been. So, and before we go to uh, Robin and the Shared Spaces team to address that question, are you, are you finding that um, when you do, um, through your lens, uh, Katie, um, uh, approach the businesses and then explain that the city is there to help 
that there's openness to um, to utilizing these grants, or do you feel like the lack of information that people feel like they have is a barrier to them adopting the opportunity to use the money? I think when we do our outreach, I found that the best reception is when we are offering a service to help them. When when I've done outreach and I haven't, you know, I'm not there to also offer, say, a grant or anything else, any other assistance, they don't quite want to engage as much, but it's like, oh, there's actually an opportunity to, to get funding or reimbursement for something, then they then they engage more. So I think that that has been helpful. Um, but we won't always, I mean, we, we are trying our very best, but there might be times where we talk to talk to small businesses and we might not have a grant program running, right? And that might be a little bit more challenging. So um, so anyway, our goal is to always pair our outreach with some resources to provide businesses. Great. If, if I may, Director Vaughn, just to amplify, um, we have to always have the caveat when we have a certain form of funding that may run out, but I, I can also firmly say that this department and this mayor is very committed to continuing to make sure that um, we find ways to have an evergreen set of resources, which include the grants um, for people to, uh, to implement these changes. And I think it's an important recognition, not only that we have these physical changes and and uh, now that we have shared spaces, that really, in my view, is also included in the premises, right, of how a business thinks about accessibility. I actually think because people are so focused on shared spaces right now, those businesses who have them are going to actually get an education in overall um, physical access to their premises. So I actually think that the shared spaces, um, the need for people to get those um, spaces legitimized is, is going to, in and of itself, give us another opportunity to educate a subset of businesses. Um, I do want to amplify that on the digital accessibility. Um, I think it's a very, very big field of businesses that will be impacted and, and government agencies as well. Um, I know myself that I am barely scratching the surface of my own understanding of what those um, issues are and, and will need to be mitigated. So I do think that is absolutely the next frontier and it's here, it's here now. Um, and again, not that you wanna wait till you have lawsuits to inspire people to do something, but you know, it's been in the news certainly. We, we saw a whole slew of wineries just last week um, have ADA lawsuits and one in particular pitted a, a winery that probably has some of the best uh, mobility access of any of the wineries because the guy who owns it has CP and, and he in fact is one of the folks that is struggling with the digital access. So I think that is a theme that is going to come back rapidly and that we definitely will want uh, some partnership with as we try to figure that one out. Great. Well, okay. you absolutely have MOD's commitment in helping to get the technical assistance out and whatever we can do to help shape that, we're, we're happy to do that. So thank you very much. And Robin, I'm wondering if you might be able to speak a little bit to uh, the kind of outreach that uh, your program has been doing to advance the grants. Yeah, certainly, Director Bond. Thank you. Um, and, you know, I also just want to acknowledge and uh, gratitude to the team at the Office of Economic and Workforce Development and the Office of Small Business, Director Tang and Director Sophis' staff have really 
um, been very proactive about collaborating on outreach. So a lot of the, the techniques that Director Tang and Director Sophus talked about are ones we're doing hand in hand um, so that we're making you know, the, the best use of the and the fullest use of the communications channels that we have. Um, education around accessibility for shared spaces actually is a very multi-layered and multi-pronged strategy. There's of course informing folks about the grants, but there's also just the education about what is an acceptable condition and you know what is a, an unacceptable condition, um, especially with regards to um, you know impairment to, to access. So um, there are a number of digital to uh, following on the theme of digital accessibility and. Um, uh, we, there are digital tools, um, you know, which are accessible to many, of course, not all that we, we leverage. Um, the, the program has a biweekly newsletter um, that we have been, that we send out to all uh, shared spaces operators. In fact, anyone who is interested in receiving news or information about shared spaces um, can receive that newsletter. Anyone can sign up at sf.gov slash shared dash spaces. Um, so, uh, there's that we are also currently, um, sort of this season, um, especially following on the board of supervisors, uh, ordinance that they passed last March in, um, full public education mode. So OEWD, um, the office of economic workforce development, Ben Van Houten, um, is, uh, um, scheduling us at a series of webinars and town halls. We just had one yesterday with the Golden Gate Restaurant Association. Um, so that, so um, sort of digital events like that will also be presenting in person to some groups like community benefit districts, business improvement districts, and cultural districts, merchants associations. Those are key opportunities for us with, with imagery, um, you know, with other technical information to educate small business operators about what looks good and what looks bad. You know, what's, what's accessible, what isn't accessible. So huge thanks to, to Ben for um, supporting those outreach efforts. Um, you know, there's social media as well. We're really experimenting with how we can innovatively leverage social media to educate folks about, you know, what it means, what it looks like um, to have an accessible shared space. Um, finally, I'd say that um, there are all these kind of like you know, digital platforms, but one of the most impactful ways that we can disseminate information is through our actual on-site work. And so um, the team at um, Public Works, um, as well as the fire department and MTA, um, we have a joint task force that um, it goes out into the field every week and, um, you know, works with the, we're starting with the most complex sites, the sites that have the, you might say the most intense number of violations, the most hazardous. Um, but our teams go out there to speak with business owners, you know, with uh, uh, restaurant managers, with staff about how to address the issues that have been identified at their site. A lot of times that is as simple as reconfiguring your movable furnishings on your sidewalk so that we may, we're maintaining a six foot minimum um, wide clear path of travel for, for passersby and persons with disabilities, you know, moving your diverters. Um, of course, sometimes um, it also will entail um, bring up, bringing a parklet into a compliance with ADA will entail more intensive physical interventions, which is what these grants are, are available to help offset costs for. 
So really there's a number of ways we are trying every single channel we have at our disposal to, to educate. Um, and we're also in all of these interactions reminding uh, small business operators in San Francisco that it's also part of um, their responsibility as community members, as business owners to seek the information. Um, uh, you shouldn't have to get a notice or someone shouldn't have to call 311 in order for you to, you know, it's, it's, it really is um, the responsibility, the, the initiative of the business owner is a huge part in ga gaining compliance and consistency across the population. So um, there, uh, there are a few other things too, I think that we're trying, but that's kind of the general outline of what we're attempting so far. I thank you. I appreciate everybody outlining um, our outreach efforts so far as, as Robin knows, Mayor's Office on Disability has been very involved in the shared spaces program and the design guidelines and advocacy around inspection. And, and I, I think where we are now is we're really, we're really at a critical point where um, I'm glad we're doing the outreach. I, I think that as much that we can also think about how we can incorporate the real world experiences of people with disabilities as a way to help people understand why it's important in the spirit of collaboration in addition to people's ability to file litigation should they choose. And it is their right to do that. I think I think it's been echoed several times in this meeting that we really prefer that we work with our disability community. And as a member of the disability community myself, I really, I, I really, really want to emphasize the importance of people will start to learn and understand when it becomes personal for them in a different kind of way. And, and the best way to do that can be through hearing about the experiences of people with disabilities. And I think generally um, people with disabilities do want to help solve um, these issues and, and work together. So I know we're working towards that. So I just want to emphasize that those personal stories can hold a lot of power, um, especially for the uh, individual businesses. Um, and I will, I'll stop there and you have my thanks once again for, um, for being here this afternoon and I'll turn it back over to Alex. Alex, I believe you're muted, sir. Sorry about that. So I was saying that um, we going to um, move the public comments at the end. So please hold tight and um, we will um, get back to you as soon as we can. But um, I just have a question to you all. First of all, thank you for coming. And a couple of questions came to mind. One is that um, where, like, after you, Robin, come to us, Couple months ago, how many pilots became this ex considered as 
I think I can take a, do you mind if I take a first oh, crack at the first question? Sure. sure. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair Madrid. I think I can respond to three of those questions. And I think um, probably Director Tang might have more to add on the third one. So I can ask the question about um, how many parklets um, have accessibility issues or respond to the question. Um, the other question about how many have come into compliance and then a little bit on the funding, uh, the ongoing funding question. Um, so the answer or the response rather to your first question, um, how many uh, parklets have an accessibility issue? Um, I, I actually don't have that statistic at my fingertips right now. Um, what I can assure you and the rest of the council though is that um, the Department of Public Works 
um, and other parts of this city um, do undertake proactive inspections of our commercial corridors to note when uh, parklets or you know sidewalk shared spaces don't meet um, the you know the the requirements. Um, Three one one reports are also another um, form of information that helps us or input that helps us understand the larger picture of um, compliance across the population. Um, but at this time, I I don't have that. I can perhaps follow up with Director Bond and we and we can get that information out. Um, likewise, to kind of the second part of your question, you know, how many of those that um, either had a reported or a suspected um, accessibility issue, how many of those have been abated? I, um, we do track this um, and we have reported those statistics to you in the past at the time, um, you know, uh, so I apologize that we didn't we didn't have it this go around. Um, what I can say also, though, is that um, for the most part, um, the business operators that we come into contact with, they really want to be good neighbors. They really want to be good community members. They want to serve everyone in the community. And so we do um, get positive response, you know, to um, especially with the revised um, manner and method in which we're doing that public education and, and, and um, conducting noticing. So, um, of course, there, there is stress on the part of business owners when um, uh, modification or abating issues requires capital expense. Um, there's no, there, there's no um, hiding that. Um, so that is, a, that is a dimension that folks are feeling and is a, is a dynamic that we're all trying to work with. Um, with regard to the $1 million in uh, funding, yes. So um, we are, we are, we're constantly um, hoping and pursuing a, um, additions to our, our grant resources. Director Sophis talked about this a little bit. Um, both uh, she and um, Mayor Breed are very, very committed to accessibility and um, small business assistance together. So I think we, um, we very much hope and I think should expect to see some form of continued um, assistance that would, would support these. Director Tang also noted in the presentation that she gave that there are different programs and different sources and we're trying as a city team as much as possible to overlap those so that at any given time there is, you know, there is some resource that um, small business operators can access to offset Again, not all of the costs, but you know some of the expenses and liabilities related to um, bringing premises into ADA compliance. Great, thank you, Robin. And um, I'll try to also address some of the, the multiple questions. Um, so in terms of the range of compliance, um, you know, our accessible business entrance program is probably the first time the city has undertaken something a bit more stringent than um, our federal and state laws. And so this is really the first time that we're able to document whether businesses are compliant with their front entrances. However, as you know, during the pandemic, uh, and as I've been doing these merchant walks, there are so many vacancies. And so at any given time, you know, it's really hard to, to see and understand how many um, businesses are compliant or not because so many have shut down and we don't know whether they're going to reopen or not. And aside from that, the city's program focuses on the entrance as sort of the first point of entry, uh, but there are obviously other improvements that... Um, you know, it, it's very hard to track, you know, whether your restroom is is um, 
code compliant, whether your path of travel is, whether your counter height. So unfortunately, we don't have specific numbers uh, on those. But again, we'll, regardless, we're continuing our outreach um, to the small business community. Um, in terms of funding, I would say that uh, the 1 million that has been referenced, you know, probably more associated with shared spaces, but uh, I want to say that um, we, we invest well over that um, in terms of trying to support our accessibility community and the small business community. And also, I mean, I, I alluded to this, but in terms of the pandemic, you know, the broader perspective that we have as the Office of Economic and Workforce Development and Office of Small Business is that these businesses are just struggling so much to whether whether pre-pandemic, you know, to survive or then then throughout the pandemic to hang on to whatever it is that they had left. And then to add on top of that other requirements that they must meet, it is really challenging. And when we try to tell them, tell businesses about too many different regulations, so you mentioned the straw, the plastic straw ban, when we layer on all these different requirements, they, it's very difficult for them to, to hear it, right? Because they're so busy running their business. And so I find that even when we're doing outreach, we, we have to focus on just like one topic at a time or else like they're, they're just, they're running their register. They're, they're trying to cook food. Um, it's, it's really difficult um, as a small business owner, you are subject to so many different rules, inspectors, um, everything. And then not just the city, but also state and sometimes federal. So I just want to put that into perspective is that we are really here to help them um, survive and thrive in the city. And on top of that, asking them to, to do other things to support our variety of communities. Um, and so for the for the plastic straw issue, you know, I mean, full transparency, I was I was working on that. And um, because I worked with the mayor's office on disabilities, we had carved out the exception that if um, that you can provide plastic straws for um, people who request them if they have a disability. Um, because these businesses have so many different requirements layered on them, I am not surprised that they don't maybe were not aware that there was this exception that existed. Um, and so certainly we'll work with the SF environment as they're doing their outreach on enforcement of that particular law, uh, just to remind businesses of that um, exception that they're supposed to provide plastic straws. I don't, thank you for that. I don't have some, I agree as a disability community. Well, let me step back as a person with Disability, I understand that um, small businesses and businesses are having a hard time with COVID, post-COVID, right now. We, and we, I understand them, but this has to do with running a business, right? This come with running a business. So, totally understand that this is the habit I'm understanding, which one to follow. But I think we need to understand the whole picture that this is just come with having a business. 
right? So I think we'd um, go back to part six and other public accommodation. I think it's good to remind businesses and maybe Office of Economic um, Development having a education platform to businesses that how or what is public augmentation because I think some businesses doesn't even know what is public augmentation is and especially for those people that are um, like old tradition businesses that running like long time and rules change and regulation change and so I think it's good to remind folks and education is the key from the city and maybe office of um, economic and developer maybe is to step it up and educate the public. Um, with that, I think we are, again, I just want to say thank you for coming and um, we are moving along to the um, item number seven, which is moderate forum. And at this time, I want to invite talks who hasn't introduced themselves. Please raise your hand and um, one me or um, um, members of disability staff will call on you and have a time opportunity to introduce yourself. Um, hey, and go ahead. Muted. Yeah, I'm joined via phone. Is that working? Yes. Great. Thanks so much. And thanks for hosting this. It's been really enlightening. I, my name is Hillary Neer. I use she, her pronouns, and I serve the zero waste program here at the Department of the Environment. And Alex and I and Debbie um, have met actually most recently on the straw issue. Uh, and point out the opportunity to continue communicating about this um, accessibility opportunity for businesses. So that's most recently um, my connection to the issue. More broadly, I support our businesses on compliance with the zero waste programs and policies. So source separation um, and many of our food ordinances just because of the impact it has on our litter and our discards. So we look forward to, you know, we continue to collaborate. Um, most recently, several supervisors are interested in 
uh, tackling plastics and single-use litter. So we want to make sure to stay in touch to avoid any um, any yeah undue implications or effects on businesses. And continue to invite Alex or any other members of the public to share um, businesses that might need a reminder. Because as Katie mentioned, there's a lot a lot of requirements. We thankfully do have. Uh, many multilingual staff in-house. So we have a team of about 11 people. We're doing work to our small businesses. Most recently, they are visiting com large commercial corridors and offering our rethink disposable program we're calling. So buying businesses and really just handing them up to $400 worth of tumblers, cutlery to help replace single use. Um, and so they keep those on hand. Like if, if a customer still needs a plastic cutlery or plastic straws still accessible, but to, uh, you know, try and improve the dining experience and lower the refuse cost and disposal cost really of uh, small businesses. And they've been loving it. So we want to promote Good that theater. opportunity among our city partners. And it's at our website, ssenvironment.org. Thank you, Henry. And I saw that Peter Goodhouse Hi there, I'm Peter DeHaas, the founder and executive director of the San Francisco Disability Business Alliance. Um, we represent small business owners here in the Bay Area, as well as entrepreneurs, and really push for inclusion and um, equity as it relates to individuals who own a small business. And as we know, as Director Sofa said, um, there, there have been business owners impacted with disabilities themselves. Um, and I would just like to add that 31 years after the ADA was signed into law, now's, now's really the time to make uh, the city a more accessible place. And, and most of the time, the accommodations necessary um, are simpler than, than people might imagine. And, and uh, representing small business owners, I know that there are obviously times where, where there are limits to what businesses can spend, but I'd be happy to discuss with anybody some of the um, things that we've come in contact with. We have a partnership currently with Accessibility um, to make websites more accessible. And in particular, they're, they're giving opportunities for businesses to get involved with their software. Is it perfect? No, but it's a step in the right direction. We also have a partnership with Ava to provide captioning for events. Um, but we're really excited to be here and it's, it's, it's nice to hear what everybody has to say. And I want to add that Providing accessible business for individuals with disabilities is good business and it's diversifying business because as we know, the disability community is one of the largest markets in the world. I think it's the third largest market in the world and people with disabilities have money to spend and they want to, to be a part of, of business and, and spend their money. So um, thanks for having me here today. Thank you. Um, um, Gregory, um, do you want to introduce yourself? 
Hi, <clears throat> good afternoon. My name is Gregory Slocum. I'm with San Francisco Public Works Bureau of Street Use and Mapping. I am the commercial permit manager. So I work with a lot of public works programs like food trucks, shared spaces, which is why I'm here today, temporary occupancy permits, which often are for staging in the public right of way and other permits you may or may not be familiar with. My team will work with shared spaces permit applicants to review applications and ensure that accessibility is demonstrated therein as we seek to make this program part of our longer term environment here in San Francisco. And um, we also assist with following up on general inquiries from the public. I work in coordination with our inspection and enforcement team to follow up on complaints and encourage small businesses to engage in the best practices for accessibility. Thank you very much for having me here today. It's been wonderful. Thanks. Thank you. Are there any um, professional people from the city department that we need to introduce yourself. Hearing none, I'm going to open up this to public comments. Um, take this open the public comments at this time. Okay. So as a reminder to the public, you can indicate that you would like to make public comment by raising your hand. You can do so by clicking on the raise hand icon within the Zoom platform. If you're joining by phone, you can dial star nine when you want to be recognized and you'll be prompted when it's your turn to make comments. You can also use the Q&A feature in Zoom uh, to be recognized or to make a comment if you wish to be recognized, type it in the Q&A box. Um, and if you want to leave your comment, you can put it in the Q&A box to be read by the clerk. So I do see members of the public who have indicated that they want to make comment at this time. One moment. Okay. Um, Anon, you've been permitted to unmute. Contested muted click. Anon, you've been permitted to unmute. I believe if you're joining by phone, you can unmute by dialing star six.
why don't we move on to the next person and then come back and see if Anon is back in a few minutes. Okay. Um, and then right now, I don't see other people with their hands raised, but I do see, um, oh, there we go. There's another member of the public. Let me, okay. Um, caller ending in 1003, you've been permitted to un Hi. Sorry, I was using my voice dictation software to type an email. <laughs> Thank you for letting me have a chance to speak on this item. I've been waiting an hour and a half, over an hour and a half to speak on this item. Uh, I don't understand why public comment is given such a low priority in these meetings, uh, save to the very last when those of us in extreme pain have to wait and endure these extremely long presentations. I do appreciate the presentations. I do appreciate the information being shared. But Human Rights Commission, for example, lets the public speak uh, after presentations. And that sure would help us to be, uh, to, to be able to participate in this meeting, which, as I previously noted, did not have the agenda published on the website and routinely only has myself as the public comment, maybe one other person. Uh, the public is not prioritized at these meetings. I want to emphasize uh, that people talking to these small businesses go with a disabled person when they do that. Uh, Katie Tang says they're doing uh, merchant walks. Uh, it would be great if you could do merchant roles. Uh, these businesses react very differently and very host, host, with much hostility when they even see a person in a wheelchair. Uh, many of these businesses, I do not agree with Robin uh, that they are they want to include everyone. Many of them, many of them do not. They have no interest in including the disabled. We account for less than six percent of the population of San Francisco, and now over sixty percent of the homeless population. Uh, due to, to bigotry and discrimination and lack of opportunities in the workforce. Um, these issues are exacerbated by the Mayor's Disability Council and the Mayor's Office on Disability not doing proper outreach or community engagement. Uh, due to these issues and the systemic bigotry in our communities, businesses treat me like garbage. Uh, they really hate to see me try to try to enter and they will use various means of harassment and intimidation uh, should I try to stick up for my rights? Uh, unfortunately, all of the enforcement falls on disabled people, even to make a complaint. And so that means we will be further demonized and hated by local businesses. Moreover, the accessibility is far worse in neighborhoods of color, and especially neighborhoods with a, a lower uh, income bracket. Uh, when I go to wealthier neighborhoods, access is greatly improved. I sure would like to see an equal distribution of these grants and services to all small businesses. And I, I would like to say I really feel for small businesses right now. I know they are going through a very hard time. And, and I, I do agree that with Helen's comments, very much so. I think she had wonderful things to say that these improvements help everyone. But we must first, as Ed Roberts says, change the old attitudes and encourage uh, disabled in inclusion in, in our communities and and I appreciate the conversations being had here today. Thank you for your comments. Um, are there any other public comments at this time? Yes. Caller ending in 1003, you've been permitted to unmute. 
Hi again, this is William Railing speaking for Accessible San Francisco, an unincorporated nonprofit association. Uh, thank you for this presentation. There is certainly much to applaud in the, in the city's efforts, uh, but still some concerns regarding the implementation. And, and in the big picture, you know, as the COVID restrictions have eased and virtually all restaurants, if not all, are at full capacity inside. Um, it's now less and less defensible for any of them to discriminate regarding the additional spaces that the city has provided on the exterior. Um, so I think the question is where the rubber meets the road, as they say, is unfortunately there are restaurant locations where uh, it is difficult or impossible for them to expand to the exterior without violating state accessibility law. And the question is, what do you do in that situation? Do you say, look, we, we sympathize with you? I think, you know, um, it's heartbreaking, but would we allow a business to violate civil rights in order to stay in business? And the answer is no. Um, there's no other civil right that we would let a business violate to stay in business. And so why should the civil right of accessibility uh, be a second class civil right? Um, and that is a difficult conversation. I appreciate that. Um, now, I, I would like to say thank you uh, to Katie Tang, if she's still here. Um, I know some of you are aware of this, but I th think some of you may not be. Katie Tang was instrumental in creating the Accessible Business Entrance Program and then implementing it. It's a great program. It's unique in the whole state. What the city did was layer, a, uh, layer on a stricter level of requirements for accessibility on top of the statewide uh, California Building Code requirements. And it, uh, the philosophy of the ABE is really clever. If we can get customers with disabilities in the door, that's an important first step toward the rest of the business being made accessible. Um, and I do think, uh, and I, I, I applaud the desire to come up with educational and public service announcements that can help educate businesses. Um, uh, you know, after 30 years, uh, of ADA and 40 years of California building code accessibility re requirements, which are as strict or stricter. I mean, how much longer are we going to accept the excuse? Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> it's getting a little absurd, right? Um, but that said, I would like to suggest two areas of positive uh, communications. One would be public service announcements or, you know, advertisements uh, featuring people with disabilities, you know, that, uh, uh, Accessibility is the law, you know, and um, uh, another would be uh, featuring testimonials from business owners about how increasing their accessibility has improved their business. And as council member Smolenski pointed out, uh, it's not just for people with disabilities, but uh, many well, businesses have found, you have okay, many businesses have found that improving their accessibility increases their business. And that's a message that should be given. Thank you. Are there any public comment? I don't see it, but do we have a something on uh, question and answers? 
Um, I see no other public comments at this time. Do we have anything on question and answers? The question and answer, the things that were in the question and answer um, have been addressed. Yeah, no more public comments. Thank you. So with that, um, we are moving to moderate forum at this time. So pretty much, uh, I want to ask these questions to start us out and think about some of things. I don't know if David has prepared a question or start for us, but I want to start us this question that with this money that we have when our good that people can apply for and should apply for to make them businesses accessible, how can we ensure that they are doing it for a ride? So uh, through the chair, Alex, yes. I just want to let you know that three of our presenters do have a, a they need to part at three today. So maybe start with uh, those folks that will need to, um, uh, that have a, a another item. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So going back to my question, I just want to make sure that even though with this initiative and funding, that we have, how do we ensure that those funding are allocated accordingly and not just, oh, I need accessible because this and this and that, and to make sure that they understand that what the money is for. Maybe I can start with, I don't know, Director Tang and Director Selfridge leaving soon. So maybe you can address that question that I understand that hesitation and lack of information from businesses are so large right now because of they have things to do and things like that so sure so thank you for your question um one of the key ways that we are doing this outreach is is frankly really hard work <laughs> to walk along the corridors and visit physically these business owners face-to-face -face and talk to them and share with them flyers. Uh, we cannot rely on just posting information on a website or on social media and expecting people to read this information or even a newsletter 
because many of these small business owners are so busy, they don't even have time to read that information. So uh, yeah, just to be candid, a lot of times what we need to do and what we have been doing is going face-to-face, -face, walking and talking to the business owners and catching them when they just have a few minutes to chat with us about what it is that we're trying to share with them. Yes, thank you. Um, and then, um, David, and then we have some questions prepared, correct? And just wanna, um, before I forget, Director, thank, so thank you for your commitment, making sure that the city services are accessible to people with disability and to all people. So thank you for your commitment on that. Um, the second question we have is this in front of you, uh, what are the gaps that needed to be addressed, such as assisted, assisted to register and bars in responding to individual requests for accessible amenities to consumers with disability or with making small business this website So on that note, I would say that uh, I think Director Sofus and I mentioned earlier, but really um, what we could benefit from is a partnership with all of you in that technical assistance and guidance for businesses on what it is exactly they need uh, to do to make their services more accessible, whether it's online or in person. The other thing is funding, which is what we have been trying to do through these grant programs, as well as professional design service programs. That is, uh, that is a gap. Um, and then in terms of information sharing, um, educational, that's where we do our merchant walks and try to get that information out to people. Um, in ways that we think will actually reach them. Thank you. I know that with Robin, can you touch on this? Some, I know that you, I'm sure some businesses have questions on this issue as well, correct? Uh, yes, Chair Madrid, I think, um, see well um, part of what we're trying to emphasize in our public education um, and communication efforts are clear examples of how um, a site can be can, can meet the the accessibility requirements um, with regard to your specific the second question that was on the screen earlier I think um, you know while it's not the method that the city relies on, um, citizen submitted um, complaints and requests through 311 are a really important source for us to um, to reference and to follow up on. So anytime something is submitted to 311, whether it is a concern about a potential um, accessibility issue or a lack of you know accessible or equivalent facility, for example, could be many other issues. It triggers a formal. 
process that the city has to undertake to investigate and follow up and to update. So um, I think um, you know we we don't want to rely um, on um, solely on citizen submitted complaints and concerns, but that that does remain a very important um, source of information. Um, and as I mentioned, um, re requires formal uh, a form uh, the city undertake a formal product protocol to, to follow up. Um, so I I'm uh, trying to. Uh, think as well. I, I think there are two parts to the second question, and maybe I'm, I only responded to the first part. I don't know if it's possible to show that on the screen a second time, but um, yeah. Thank you so much, Debbie, for flashing that back up. Um, Yes, I think the Office of Small Business probably is best equipped to respond to the second part of this question. Um, yeah, inv individual requests for accessible amenities. I think as far as the shared spaces program is concerned, um, you know, the way that the, the city team, the program managers can follow up is through that, um, is being notified through that 311 channel. Um, Thank you. Are there people in this forum like Ben or um, Kate, Kate, Sophie, do you have anything to want to add to that? Or Gregory, I know that you work with closely with businesses operating with public works. Are there anything that experience on that issue? Uh, through the chair, yeah. I think it would also be very useful as part of this discussion to hear from other council members about what the council would like to see happen in these efforts um, so, that, um, so that we can, as a city, respond to those things if they have not already been addressed in, in uh, the earlier portion of the meeting today. Yes, I'm, I'm happy to, to speak to some of that as I'm able to. I, I believe the question was about our outreach and engagement with businesses in the field, as I understood it. And also what I work with a part of public works implementing to ensuring accessibility is met. Got it. So we, um, as Robin mentioned earlier, are responding to complaints on an ongoing basis through 311. Um, that's great because 311, we avoid duplicative work. It's transparent. You can track it. It's, it's a predictable feature that you use for other city agencies. So it's not like the user is having to adopt a new method to, to lodge a complaint. And then additionally, we're undertaking coordinated efforts with other city agencies, namely MTA, 
and San Francisco Fire to do neighbor walks, as Robin pointed out earlier, through commercial corridors, so that we can also, when we address businesses and their, their needs for accessibility, also integrate other life safety or transit, which is often transit lends itself to life safety and accessibility most typically. We address those all holistically as a team so that the businesses kind of have a, a guiding hands on them all at once as opposed to multiple fragmented engagements with the city. Um, one thing that's nice about the shared spaces program is that my division was previously responsible for administering the cafe tables and chairs program, which has been around for um, upwards of a decade, maybe even two, it may have even been like the mid nineties it was first deployed. But for some sense of scale, we had about maybe four to 500 permittees in that program. And that's easily, you know, that's a fraction of the number of businesses that we've had participate in shared spaces. However, our, our expertise, that pre-existing expertise in determining an accessible path of travel, having some pre-existing materials that demonstrate best practices and clearances has also assisted us in engaging businesses. Um, moving forward, my team, one thing they're gonna be responsible for is the plan checking. So in the pandemic iteration of this program, um, there wasn't a lot of plan checking, which is one of the best practices for ensuring accessibility on site. Moving forward, what we've done is we've taken some of the practices that we had for cafe tables and chairs, and we've repurposed them for this program. And the cafe tables and chairs program, what that required folks to do previously, and then and for this future legislative program will be one of the forthcoming requirements, is demonstrate accessible seating and an accessible path of travel as it relates to that permitted occupancy. So I, I think moving forward, you're gonna see a lot more um, hands-on engagement from our team as they review these applications and provide direct guidance as to what constitutes um, accessibility. And then we're also gonna be continuing to do, you know, responding to complaints, doing the neighborhood walk. So you're gonna have the pencil pushers on my team that are sending out emails and reviewing plans and saying, hey, this is a way to make it more accessible. And then you're gonna have our folks in the field inspection and enforcement that are seeing site conditions and that they're able to intervene accordingly. So we're confident that it's a, it's a good kind of two-tier approach to addressing accessibility. And we're always seeking to do a better job. So if there's suggestions that we can practically implement, we're, we're all ears. Uh, we love partnering with the community therein. Thank you. I hope I adequately addressed things. If I didn't, let me know. Thank you. And um, um, I know Peter, I thought that you had your heads up and then, and yeah. then up to you, I go with okay. I like the idea of uh, having a more distinct platform. I know the Office of Small Business currently has resources for businesses. I think continuing to try to drive businesses to those resources, expanding on those resources, um, having some of the, the new uh, web accessibility resources there for them to access. Um, but also, you know, helping businesses understand that San Francisco was the birthplace of the independent living movement in section 504 protests and that people with, with disabilities want to spend their money in, in these, these businesses. So I like the idea of maybe 
um, individuals with disabilities visiting businesses as well. Um, um, people with disabilities getting more involved with the process um, in, in, in getting the word out there. Um, and, and maybe trying to change the narrative of these lawsuits as being predatory and more about systems change. Again, these laws have been intact for over 30 years. So if businesses haven't changed now or, or property owners haven't changed their businesses now, it's time and it's time to do it for the right reasons. Um, and I, I think that, that we need to start thinking about how we change our narrative around um, access as well. Thank you, Bridget. Thank, thank you, Chair. Um, I really just wanted to amplify actually um, what Peter DeHaas just sort of laid out. Um, and part of it is speaking also from my experience before I came to the city, having built sort of a movement around local making and manufacturing um, that SF made. And what it strikes me is, and we are not alone in being a, a city that, that has been compliance-based, right? And we are trying to move from that perspective of our small businesses of like, what do I need to do to not get in trouble to this perspective that it's good for business, it's good for community, it's good for other members of the community who may not have a disability, but would benefit from um, different ways that they can access a business, its products, its services. Um, so I wanted to add, you know, city government can only go so far in um, pushing out information. We have 92,000 small businesses across the city. And, you know, frankly, a lot of our um, programs up until now that we're really looking at digital accessibility have only been able to scratch the surface of folks who have storefronts along our neighborhood commercial corridors. So um, part of, of what I have seen in my previous experience prior to the city and that I believe is an incredibly important part, really our partnerships with other nodes in the community, merchant associations, definitely, community benefit districts for sure, but frankly, every um, community benefit organization that OEWD partners with to develop entrepreneurship training, to um, have various forms of business assistance. Um, we, we, OEWD, I think can do uh, a better job at amplifying education to those connector points in community. And they in turn also have uh, direct interaction with our small businesses. So I think that's, that's one piece. And then the other, and, and maybe I'm going to sort of lift this back to, um, to this body. Could we collectively create a, a campaign, an ad campaign, a PR campaign, a social media campaign, you know, open San Francisco, right? Something positive, something that's a compliment to the stick, right? Which we need both, right? We do need, I think, the credible threat of action being taken if a business knows that it is not open and it is unwilling to make those changes. But I think to complement that, um, you know, a, a campaign to lift up, to, to profile in the news, 
an example of a business who's done amazing things to make themselves accessible. Wouldn't that be great to read about as opposed to what we normally read about, which is the businesses that are being um, sued as a result of not having done that. Um, could we could we take over banners across the city for this campaign to sort of, again, sort of get more of the word out about the, the positivity, right, um, behind all of this? Because again, I, I sort of think about these numbers, 92,000 small businesses and digital access, and we're going to have to change the game of how we get the word out. It's, you know, everything that we do to do merchant walks and get to businesses one-on-one, -on -one, I think we have to keep doing and then some, but it's gonna take more than that, I think, to get the kind of systems change that we're all looking for. Um, and I'm hoping that maybe in partnership with the community and, and um, this body and the mayor's office on disability, um, we can lift up and, and sort of go beyond where we've been able to, to be so far in terms of how we get information out. So yeah, that's my, my citizen suggestion, wearing my department head hat, um, is to stand up a, 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 key, a positive PR campaign about open San Francisco, open these small businesses to greater accessibility for everyone's benefit. Thank you. Before I go, um, because I just want to pose a question to uh, Ken, Ken um, um, what is what's the, the relationship between safety and accessibility? Can they be addressed together? Before you can answer that question, I'm going to Hi, I just wanted to mention also just for the council's benefit as you decide how you want to follow up from this discussion that the Community Alliance for Disability Advocates or CADA, which is the uh, which is a San Francisco group of uh, disabled leaders from the different advocacy organizations is very interested in advancing a uh, uh, reframing ableism, anti-ableism campaign. And so uh, you might want to consider hearing about that in a in another uh, meeting, but that would dovetail very well with some of Director Sophus's uh, ideas here, I think. Uh, that's all for now. Thank you, Dinkon. I'm going back to Ken. Um, um, do you want me to repeat the question or you got it? Who is your question for, Alex? Um, um, my question is from is for and I can't pronounce. Okay. Hi. Hi, Alex. Can you can you? Yes. Um, I will repeat the question. Thank you for coming to us. What is the question I have is what what's the relationship between safety and accessibility? Um can they be addressed together? Well there is a uh slight uh 
you know, relationship between uh, safety and accessibility. So the fire department's main focus is be able to access the building beyond. So we're going the other way, instead of from the sidewalk to the street, we're looking at from the street to the sidewalk to be able to help, to be able to gain, to get access to the buildings beyond that, see people that may be injured on the sidewalk and fire ground operations. So a lot of the effects that we have on shared spaces is those gaps that you see um, that allows us to get from the street to the sidewalk. I'm not sure how they interact with uh, spacing, spacing, uh, but it does open things up and it does not allow the uh, shared spaces of the business owners to be able to enclose it. It's more open because of our requirements of both uh, rooftop um, visuals because we have to be able to see from the street so I believe it would actually aid in that because things would be are more open uh, because of our needs of actually taking equipment, ladders, personnel, hose from the street to the building. And, uh, in addition to keeping sidewalks clear and overhead obstructions. I would just add to, oops, I'm sorry, Alex. I was just gonna add to um, Fire Marshal's comment that uh, as we were developing uh, and continue to uh, uh, enforce and, and move forward with the uh, design guidelines for the Shared Spaces Program, uh, the Mayor's Office on Disability, the Department of Public Works, and the Fire Department really worked together to ensure that the regulations that we all have uh, aren't in conflict with each other and provide um, as much access as as possible. So that's a it's a very intentional effort uh, that we made in this program to make sure that we're supporting safety by providing accessibility and not um, not having negative impacts on accessibility or fire life safety access uh, because of conflicting uh, regulation. I just want to on. I understand that you got awkward and would be to ensure safety is priority and things like that. Of course, I would assume some businesses has pushbacks with this initiative that you are trying to do. What would you what do you guys do when businesses are doing it? You can, you can, we can just pay for that complying with any of this. Because I, I'm sure some businesses say, I'm not going to do it. So how do we gain compliance through uh, yes. for fire safety? Yes. So we, again, as, as, uh, as Greg Sloka mentioned, we are working as a task force with MTA, DPW, and fire department to explain. So we, we spent time providing this one sheet of all items that needing, need correction. Some immediate such as accessibility fire safety and some other items of their construction can be uh, out as part of the permanent program which will take effect in, I believe in uh, April 2023 or the end of March of 
2023. So the fire department, we have a way to issue violations uh, to be able to document and and then we have reinspection fees. Uh, we do actually have a progressive system. First, it's, it's to make them aware of the problem, uh, explain why the problem needs to be corrected, uh, depending on what the issue is, is the how fast they need to fix it. Uh, if they choose to ignore, we do have a way to escalate it like, again with a violation. And then up to including, we can move to an administrative hearing where the, the business owner or up to including the building owner would be invited down. And if it got to the point, as you stated, they just don't want to comply, we could actually issue an order of abatement onto the building uh, through the city assessor's office. Thank you. Um, thank you for that. Um, and David, would you mind posting the last question? Well, um, people have already talked about this somewhat, and um, we are getting people asking us how long this is going to last because they need to go. So I uh, just want to point out our time constraints. Um, I think this discussion is done. So I just want to say thank you for all of the presenters. Director Tang, Director Tuffy, Robin, Bob, um, and other presenters. So thank you very much for coming in. I hope that this is done the last time and this is be the first and going forward walking together and of course Henry Neil thank you for coming and I hope we will walk together soon. Um, with that I'm going to close this discussion. Thank you very much. Um, so we are moving to item um, number of loops. I um, think a break would be a good idea. All right, we are going to have a five minute break. Thank you and see you guys in five minutes. Are we off nine? SFGov TV, San Francisco Government Television.
portray of marriages on disability gossip like a bipolar break. Now we are moving to item number four, which is information item reports report from the marriage on disability um director van. Okay, great. I'm just going to pull up my notes here, and then I will I will go to it. Okay, so this is the uh, the April report to the Mayor's Disability Council from the Mayor's Office on Disability. I just want to remind folks that we do uh, publish this report in full uh, following the meeting on our uh, webpage under What's New, and also. Um, on the Mayor's Disability Council webpage. And it's also sent out as part of the um, follow-up reminder for the following meeting. So there's lots of different ways to access the report. For the full report, uh, which I do recommend that you review, um, there's uh, hyperlinks and all sorts of thing, uh, inf other information that you can also uh, address. But for today, I'd like to highlight uh, a few things. First of all, um, just as follow-up to the discussion that we had, I really would love to encourage the council um, to uh, follow up and, and really think about through the ideas that were addressed today in, in ways to uh, engage um, the business community and promote um, disability access in our city to really think about the things that you would like to directly uh, follow up on and um, and and uh, and which of you would like to get behind that and really help make that happen because I do think there were some good ideas um, with your energy and support could go a, a long way so I just wanted to say that um, towards the, my report itself I'm going to focus primarily on the local and state legislation that is, uh, that's happened and is happening uh, since the last report. So the first update is about uh, JFK Drive access per the local legislation. So JFK Drive currently has two pieces of legislation under consideration. The first we've, we've heard in this meeting, uh, you'll recall we had uh, extensive participation and public comment on the Golden Gate Park Access and Safety Program, which has the referral number 220261. That is the legislation that's sponsored by the mayor's office as well as uh, Supervisor uh, Preston, Manloman, and Haney uh, around the uh, SFMTA and Recreations and Parks uh, staff report. Um, uh, director, uh, or I'm sorry, co-chair Madrid mentioned that uh, the co-chairs did meet with uh, leadership uh, to discuss their resolution. Um, and so uh, that was covered. I do uh, want to emphasize that MOD has urged uh, our colleagues in Recreation and Parks and MTA to provide Golden Gate Park accessibility commitments related to this legislation on a timeline. Uh, which was uh, mentioned earlier also by uh, Alex. And so this work is currently in progress. In response to this legislation, 
Since our last meeting, there is now another piece of legislation related to this, which amends the configuration recommendation in that report. That referral number is 220-339. And that, this legislation is sponsored by Supervisors Chan and Supervisor Walton that is currently in land use and transportation under a waived 30-day rule. And what that means is there, there has been a motion to schedule a joint meeting with the Board of Supervisors and the County Transportation Authority to hear this item, which immense the legislation and makes certain street segments one way, and it establishes bicycle lanes and urges additional changes to improve access to Golden Gate Park. The public agenda for this um, meeting hasn't been uh, set yet, so the, the date and time is subject to change, but per the motion in the April 5th Board of Supervisors meeting, uh, it was recommended for April 26th, uh, so this month at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, for those of you who are interested. And uh, as soon as we receive the formal meeting notice, uh, we will make sure that that uh, is posted through the Mayor's Office on Disability Distribution list uh, when it becomes available and we will post it on our website as well. The other legislation we heard about today from Shared Spaces has passed around uh, the limits on fines for uh, shared uh, spaces violations, meaning it passed and that accessibility continues to be prioritized. We heard about that extensively today. I wanted to mention a couple of things related to uh, state legislation next. Um, I mentioned last month that the uh, virtual public meeting legislation, which is Assembly Bill 361, was approved by the governor and this allows for the continued provision of public meetings uh, and the uh, suspension of uh, some of the requirements of the Brown Act while we have a declared uh, emergency. Locally, the Community Alliance of Disability Advocates, or CADA, which I mentioned earlier, is also asking the city to consider continuation of virtual public meetings in some capacity beyond the state emergency order. Uh, and so the CADA leadership is scheduled to meet with the mayor's office uh, with some suggestions uh, later this month. And I really encourage the council to learn more about this item and perhaps agendize it for an upcoming uh, public meeting as um, participation in our, our uh, civic process um, has, has greatly been enhanced uh, by the provision of, um, of uh, virtual access and uh, remote access in some, in some instances. The, um, the uh, transportation network company legislation, the TNC Access for All Act is still in consideration. That one is Senate Bill 1376. And it is in consideration uh, still through the California Public Utilities Commission and are currently focused on outreach to the disability community and the obligations that the uh, TNCs have to provide effective outreach. So that is a, uh, uh, a really important um, 
tandem to what we talked about today, so just to mention that. Also wanted to mention that there's another assembly bill, which is 2336, which has to do with speed enforcement. And this, this uh, bill uh, was advanced and endorsed through Vision Zero um, and would um, allow for a state mechanism to um, have some more provisions for how we think about speed enforcement and, and fatality. I know the council has been interested in Vision Zero and some of the activities of Vision Zero in the past. So I just wanted to emphasize that again. Next, I wanna to move to some uh, community resources. I wanted to uh, remind folks uh, that in terms of the COVID response in the disability community, uh, the Department of Public Health and the Center for Disease Control uh, now recommends a second booster dose with an, uh, if you've received either Pfizer or Moderna, um, starting more four months after your first booster if you're a higher risk individual. And as a reminder, this includes people ages uh, 65 and older, uh, people 50 and older with underlying health conditions, or anyone over 12 who might be subject to immunocompromisation. So we really recommend that um, you consult with your uh, health professional um, to get more information on that. Or you can also visit um, the uh, SFDPH uh, um, website, uh, which is at sf.gov uh, backslash get hyphen vaccinated hyphen against hyphen COVID hyphen 19, or you can call the COVID recess resource center, apologies, at 628-652-2700. And at-home vaccination is also remains available. And to set this up, please call the COVID resource center. Again, that number is 628-652-2700. Next, I'd like to announce that the city and county of San Francisco will be holding a career resource fair open to the public and free on Saturday, April 23rd at from 10 to 2 p.m. in Civic Center Plaza, which is located at 355 McAllister Street. This is, again, as I mentioned, it's free and it's uh, open to all job seekers from all backgrounds. We're interested in exploring careers with the city uh, with a, in a wide range of areas, including healthcare, public safety, technology, construction. The ACE program that this council has heard about will be present as part of uh, this, uh, which is an initiative to um, hire uh, folks with disabilities into uh, uh, into city positions. If you're interested in this event, you can register at, uh, it's hosted by the Department of Human Resources and you can register at sfdhr.org backslash career hyphen events. And you can also request a reasonable accommodations for that this event by contacting dhr hyphen diversity recruitment at sfgov.org. And again, we uh, we did put an announcement out about uh, this yesterday through the MOD distribution, uh, but that it will be posted as part of this report as well. I just wanted to then again emphasize um, 
other agenda items for future MDC hearing consideration that are um, time sensitive or still in progress. One is in addition to what you've already heard about JFK Drive, just want to reiterate again that there's still a lot of public interest on what will happen post pandemic around uh, circulation in with our with our other um, closed or slow street areas, especially the Great Highway and other uh, slow streets. When the state and local emergency orders are lifted, it is possible that some of these would be under consideration uh, for permanency. So I would just really encourage the council to stay involved and engaged uh, with that. As you know, it's been a very, uh, we've had a lot of comment on, on uh, streets issues uh, throughout the pandemic. Again, I'm a hybrid meeting public participation. Uh, really encourage you to stay involved with that as that is another um, virtual meetings and the, and the way that the city uh, provides them may shift uh, after the emergency order is lifted. So again, that, that's why I'm, I'm listing this as a time sensitive one. Also, I mentioned this last month, but I'm gonna mention it again. The citywide web accessibility policy um, is um, underway and city departments uh, will be um, required to respond on their remediation or transition plan for those departments that are not already achieving web accessibility compliance. And so I encourage you to keep an eye on that or, um, or hear in more detail about that program. And then again, we've had some success with training um, and providing um, a, what we hope is a better experience uh, for our summer together after school programs and summer camp resources. Um, so you may want to consider uh, hearing about that. And finally, last thing I'll mention is on Monday, the Mayor's Office on Disability has been asked to uh, report to um, to give a, an update on the, to the civil grand jury. Uh, where the civil grand jury approaches departments occasionally and asks for updates and, and questions of concern. And I'll just mention that um, uh, some of the, the most critical questions that the civil grand jury would like to know about really have to do with access to our streets and sidewalks and parking and all of these things that we've heard about in these, these meetings. And so it, it's, uh, it's a concern um, of our colleagues in the civil grand jury as well. And I'm happy to um, say more about how uh, that presentation goes um, at uh, the next meeting. And uh, with that, um, that concludes uh, my report for today. I just want to remind folks that if you are not on our distribution list and uh, would like to receive our emails and uh, information about when these uh, uh, legislative items and other items of public interest um, come about, you can uh, contact us at mod at sfgov.org or call 415-554-6789, or you can also visit our homepage, uh, which right now is at sf, 
gov.org backslash MOD. Thanks a lot for your attention. Thank you, Director Ben. For that, I'm moving to um, public comment, public comment at this time. Take this open to general public comment. Okay. Um, as a reminder to the public, you can make public comment if you're using the Zoom platform by clicking on the raise hand icon. Um, if you are calling in by phone, you can dial star nine to raise your hand and you'll be prompted when it's your turn to make comment. Additionally, a reminder that you can indicate you would like to make public comment by typing into the Q&A box. Um, or you can type your comment into the Q&A box and it can be read by the clerk. And so at this time, I do see members of the public who want to make public comment. Uh, caller ending in 1003, you've been permitted to unmute. Hi, this is William Railing for Accessible San Francisco, an unincorporated nonprofit association. And I think uh, at this point, um, over these last couple of years, I think that um, you all know that I'm very supportive of the work of the Mayor's Disability Council um, and staff. I think, I think staff's done a great job throughout COVID. Um, and so if I say something that is you know, might seem a little critical. I just, I just wanted to make it clear that, um, you know, that I really intend this to be constructive criticism, and I, and I, and I, I sincerely hope it'll be taken that way because I know that each of the individual members of the council really support participation of the public in the council activities and discussions, and I, and I know staff really supports it as well. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, what has gone wrong. And I think there, um, well, well, here's what I think right now. Um, you know, there's an obligation to meet both the statewide Brown Act requirements. And then of course, locally, the, the Sunshine Ordinance. Um, and I think there are some mistakes perhaps being made both in the agendizing of the meetings um, and in the, um, the, the public comment procedure during the meetings. And so, um, I, I hope that staff can reach out internally to whatever compliance resources there are to see if the, the manner and the timing of the agendizing that has been happening is sufficient. And then, um, I think the tape itself of this meeting, you know, provides a basis for someone to evaluate whether the Brown Act uh, and the Sunshine Ordinance are being complied with. Because I'll just point out that, you know, the, the, the committee went through agenda item four, five, six, and seven, right? Um, totaling perhaps two and a half hours or more of hearing and took public comment once. Um, you know, the Brown Act, certainly, I, I'm more familiar with the state requirement than the Sunshine Ordinance. Um, requires that public comment to be taken on every agenda item and um and it, it's not happening right so um and i think you're seeing the effects of that 
in terms of the limited public participation, I think someone else mentioned that earlier as a public comment that there, there's, we live in a big city. There's tens of thousands of people with disabilities in the city. It doesn't, it's a mystery why there's two of us uh, participating. And I, I think it's two people that are particularly determined and stubborn and obstinate. And, um, uh, and that shouldn't be a requirement to participate. I think people possibly are being discouraged from participating by, um, by the lack of opportunities and feeling like their contributions are not valued. I mean, it would have been very helpful um, to be able to participate in both six and seven in particular, um, but there was only one opportunity. You know, the fire marshal was here and that is a rare opportunity. They're extremely busy and a, a fire marshals often don't understand how important their work is for people with disabilities. Um, you know, egress in a fire and panic is crucial. Uh, who, you know, who gets out last? Uh, so. I feel um, it's regrettable that the public was not able to to speak on that item. Um, and I'm not sure whether it was six or seven specifically that was skipped, but one of them was. So, um, okay, well, again, I mean this constructively, okay? I, I love you all. This is a great, great committee council with good, and doing great work and great staff. And I look forward to continuing to participate myself in the future. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Okay, the next public commenter, Jean, you've been permitted to unmute. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm an 81 year old senior. Um, I've been a resident of San Francisco for over 50 years. I'm homebound and one of my disabilities is uh, uh, vision disability due to macular degeneration. I've never provided any public comment before. Um, in the future, I'll be very interested in anything to do with digital accessibility because of my vision. But I, all I wanted to do was ask about Laguna Honda. I just learned that yesterday, um, Medicare and Medicaid withdrew or stopped or halted their funding for Laguna Honda. And I wanted to know if there's any role that the mayor's office on disability has in or in relationship with Laguna Honda. As a low income senior, I'm very concerned about what goes on at Laguna Honda. So thank you, it just, it's a question. For your comment, and if you don't mind providing us your information, we will get that information and get back to you. Thank you. Um, hey, Alex, to the chair, may I just say that there's there's two ways to do that. You can email if you have access to email mod at sfgov.org or you can call 415-554-6789. Thank you, Nicole. With that, I'm going to move as a item number nine, which is correspondence. Hey, through the chair, did we complete public comment? I just want to make sure. Yes. We are. We, are. we did. 
I didn't okay. hear that there are no more. Do we um, take, do we have any more public comment at this time? I do not see any other public comments at this time. Thank you. Um, item number nine, which is college parties. Do we have any college parties? Yes, um, since the last, uh, pardon my voice, since the last meeting, um, <clears throat> MDC received 300, over 300 emails, and um, they appear to all have been based on a template. They're about <clears throat> the JFK drive issue and the general template that they all used reads as follows. I support <clears throat> maintaining <clears throat> JFK Drive in Golden Gate Park as a permanent pedestrian promenade. Car-free JFK is wildly popular with San Franciscans of all ages and from all neighborhoods as a safe peaceful destination and active transportation corridor in our park. After nearly two years of public process and the new improvements to the shuttle and ADA accessible parking, it will become even more inclusive destination and amenity for all San Franciscans. It's time for the Board of Supervisors to vote on the future of car-free JFK. Please vote to make JFK permanently car-free for a better future for our city. This is um, the only correspondence that was received that follows this template. Thank you. Debbie, could you please repeat how many uh, how many respondents that we that MDC received, please? Over three hundred. I think I, I don't have the exact number. It's a few more than three hundred. Related to JFK. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Debbie. And with that, we are moving to other numbers. 10, which is constant members, comments, and announcements. Are there any cousin members has any comments or announcements at this time? One announcement from staff um, is that you may have noticed this, but there is now an MDC at sfgov.org mailbox. Um, so um, this really doesn't affect um, MDC members directly, but those who wish to send correspondence by email to MDC will now be able to directly address their email to MDC um, at 
sfgov.org. Thank you for announcing that, Debbie. Would you mind putting that together uh, into an announcement that we can also push out through our email distribution sure. so that people are aware? Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, man, um, if there's no more announcement, I just want to say thank you for all um, um, for, um, presenters and guests. Um, I just want to say thank you for the interpreters. Thank you for my cousin, fellow cousin members and Especially, I want to say thank you for the um, MOD staff for helping us and putting this together. Um, thank you, Craig, for reading the um, Donna's Donna's agenda. So with that, I want to um, wish you all Happy Easter, and we will um, see you this time again on May 20th, May 20 at 1 to 4. Um, and with that, I'm going to adjourn the meeting. Thank you, Nicole, yes. and thank you, Debbie. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ahmed. Thank Bye. you. Thank you, John. Bye. This is John. Thank you all. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.